Join me, Sean Hall, for the Scuttlebutt Podcast, a program about understanding military culture from a civilian perspective, every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern on Reads Across America Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Today's guests are Executive Director and Founder of Robin's Home, Mary Chitwood. She's also an Army veteran and the president of their board, who is a non-veteran, Stephanie Schaefer. Robin's Home uh, aims to provide a full continuum of care for homeless, unstably housed, and low-income female veterans and their children. Uh, this is a female, women-specific organization. Uh, they operate here in the Western PA region, more specifically in Butler, PA, but they serve women in the seven counties here in Western PA, Allegheny, Armstrong, Butler, Clarion, Erie, Lawrence and Mercer counties. Uh, no other agency provides supportive housing to homeless women veterans and their children. Uh, Robin's Home is really um, spearheading this. And sadly, there is a growing need for women veterans who need uh, housing stabilization and supportive services. Uh, women veterans are the fastest growing segment of the military and the homeless population. Women veterans are also twice as likely to experience homelessness than non-women veterans. I was very inspired by the conversation that I had with Mary and Stephanie. I hope you are too. Thank you so much for joining and listening to the podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And if you have any thoughts or comments about this episode, you can always reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. I'd love to hear them. Or if you know somebody who needs assistance uh, that Robin's Home would be able to help, uh, please send them our way. I'd be happy to pass them off to Mary and Stephanie uh, so that they can go through uh, the intake process. Thank you again for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, joining me today on the Scuttlebutt is Mary and Stephanie from Robin's Home. I'm very interested to hear not only more about both of your histories, and Mary, uh, you served in the Army 2003 to 2006, uh, but to dive into everything about Robin's Home. This is a really worthwhile organization doing great work up in Butler, PA, which is a little bit north of Pittsburgh, if you're listening in. Uh, but I'd love for both of you to introduce yourself. Stephanie, should we start with you? Sure. I'm Stephanie Schaefer. I'm the Robin's Home Board of Directors President. We started in February with that role. Um, I've been on the board of directors for almost two years, and the reason why I joined was because of Mary. I came to the home for Easter, an Easter dinner, um, and I dressed up like the Easter bunny, and I stayed for a little bit, and I took it. I took it, and I ran with it, and I said, whatever I can do to help you, because this organization was absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a background in recreational therapy, and I also have two children, and I am not an Army veteran, but I am a woman. <laughs> <laughs> which is key, it's just key coming down to the mission of Robin's Home, uh, which right. we, will get, we will get to. And wait, you actually did dress up as the Easter Bunny? Yeah, this one here, Mary, mm -hmm, had me dress up like the Easter Bunny um, for the children who were um, residents at the time. Um, so it was a it was a good experience. It got my eyes open for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the people who need our support, the people who are out there that you don't necessarily see, and the ones who have helped our country. So, and that's key. The ones that you don't necessarily see, um, as that's we do know. Yes. Yeah, the we know that women's veterans is is rising um, as right. women who serve are rising. So you know, in kind, uh, right. we're seeing that. 
Mary, you are one of the women who have served and you served in the army. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt. Thank you. I'm Mary Chitwood. I am an army veteran. I served 2003 to 2006. I was stationed at Fort Irwin, California. I did my basic at Fort Winterwood, Missouri, and my AIT at Fort Lee, Virginia. I was a 92 Alpha, which is supply, typically found in the motor pool warehouses. And then I did go to Fort Lewis and but got trained as an armor. And then I worked as the unit armor at my unit. Um, I moved back to Butler about 10 years ago. And I started working with um, supportive services for veteran families. It's a grant to help veterans get um, secure housing or stay housed. It's a program that was created by the VA. So I was working that program. And anytime we had a female veteran that was homeless, we didn't have any transitional housing program to place her in, in our area at the Butler VA, which serves five counties. And that is how Robin's Home came about. And it was named after a fellow veteran that I was friends with that passed away in January of 2017. So the housing program is named after her in memory of her. And so we were the first transitional housing program that serves children for the Butler VA catchment area. We're service intensive. We are funded through the VA through their grant and per diem um, program. And they can be in our program for up to two years. And can you tell me, we always ask this question, a part of Scuttlebutt or anything with the Veterans Breakfast Club is, why did you decide to join the Army? I joined the Army for educational benefits. Mm -hmm. Now she tells me. <laughs> yeah, so opportunities. Really, what it all comes down to is just opportunities. So right. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I served. Um, it gave me a lot of, taught me a lot of skills that I have today. So part of it was to, you were from Butler originally? Yes. Part of it was to sort of get get out of town, see the world a bit? Yes. Did you uh, come from a military family? My dad, um, but he went AWOL, so. <laughs> so he did serve in the Army. So that was one thing dad said, when you join, don't ever leave without approval. So, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I don't have a lot. Some uncles and granddad, but. There's some that served in the military, but it wasn't like something that when I was raised that people talked about. Mm -hmm. Now, between 2003, 2006, whenever you served, that, that was a big time because 2003 was the uh, ramp up and yes. invasion of Iraq. Uh, when I when I was in basic at Fort Leonard Wood, <clears throat> I remember because I went in in March. So I remember there was times where we'd have to go into this room and they would show us the news of everything that was going on downrange. But um, I didn't get it. I did not deploy. Mm -hmm. So what made you, whenever you got out, why did you decide to leave the Army? I got out on medical. I injured my knees, so I okay. got a med board. And how did you use your education benefits? I went and got my bachelor's um, with my Montgomery GI Bill. And then with my post-911, I got my master's degree. And when you came back to, to Butler that's whenever you started to see how you could better serve your community. So before I came back to Butler, I was living in Atlanta. I never used the VA services. I never applied for my VA disability because I did not know that you should go to the VA. I didn't mm -hmm. know I was a veteran because I thought you had to deploy to be considered a veteran. Mm -hmm. I did not know because I was medically discharged. I should have filed for my VA disability. 
So when I came back to Butler, they were hiring, I was looking for a job, they were hiring um, a case, a housing advisor for supportive services for veteran families. Um, when I came to Butler, that's when I didn't have health care insurance. So I went to the VA and typically, I guess you see that a lot in veterans. They don't usually go to the VA until they need the VA, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I went to the VA and that's when I got health care through the VA. <clears throat> and then I started working in that grant, working with other veterans that needed housing. And through that, I learned about all the different resources available at the VA and in the community to help veterans. And then I did my application for my service connection many years later. So I got out in 2006. So 10 years ago would have been 2013. Yeah. 2013 is whenever I finally, um, eight years later, maybe, got care at the VA mm -hmm. and then applied for my service connection. So I think that's what's really kind of important doing podcasts like these is if you ever served in the military, you just need to go to the VA and see if you meet criteria for healthcare and other services that they have. We have a resident that served in the reserve unit <clears throat> right now and she did active duty time and now we got her healthcare through the VA. She didn't know to go to the VA. So now we got her healthcare as well through the VA. We've had other residents that come through here that weren't getting, never registered at the VA to get healthcare and through our program, we're able to get them connected to receive that through the VA. So you're saying that since you were medically discharged, you didn't go through something like TAP, uh, the transition assistance program? No, no, uh -uh. we went through, oh, it's not what it is today. They've changed a lot of it, but no, we didn't really do any of that stuff then, no. Yeah, a lot no. of that stuff has sort of blossomed out of the fact yes. of, of yes. helping helping military personnel to transition yeah. out. But even then, we've talked a lot on the scuttlebutt about uh, that it needs to do more. There's more, there's yeah. more ways, there's more things that, that the military needs to do to help out people who transition. Yeah, I out. feel like when you're discharging from the military, the, the, the branch of service you're in, they know where, where you're moving to. They ask you that. So if you say, I'm moving, here's my address, then I feel like then the military needs to reach out to that VA and let them know, hey, they're, they're discharging, um, here's their information, make sure you reach out to them, right? Mm -hmm. So then there's that continuity of care. There's like a warm handoff. So then hopefully these veterans all fall through the cracks, um, making sure they're getting connected with the services at the VA that do work with veterans that are transitioning out of active duty into the civilian world. Mm -hmm. So hopefully then by building that support system within their transition is a little bit easier because it's really hard when you come from like active duty when you have all this camaraderie, you build all these relationships and then you come into the civilian world and you lose all of that you have a hard time connecting with a lot of the civilians um, because of your military experience, you know, it's just different. So, um, but I think that's where like, they need to bridge that area. They are leaving, the VA should be notified. And then hopefully that warm handoff happens and that continuity of care also kicks in. I do find it kind of amazing that you didn't know to go to the VA. I feel like that would be something they would tell you, like, yeah, no, you land? I didn't even know I was a veteran. So <laughs> a lot of us, we find out through friends or family. Yeah. Um, that's how you find out. When we used to facilitate a group for women veterans, a, a lot of them found out through friends and families. A lot of them didn't know that they should be at the VA. It feels like so. the military kind of leaves you out in the cold a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, I guess that's just how it goes. I mean, right. you discharge, I mean, you discharge, you know? Right. And this is something, like I said, we've talked about so much on the podcast of just, you know, what steps can the military take to sort of 
help aid that transition. It's such a shock simply because you've done so much work in the military and being sort of ingrained into that culture. And then suddenly you're mm -hmm. back in society and it's, and it's a culture yeah. shock on the other end. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you land wherever it is that you, you decide to live, who do you need to talk to? What community is there? What, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, this seems like a, an area that it has gotten some work certainly over the past 15, 17 years. Um, but obviously something that maybe needs to take several steps more forward. Um, yeah. As with all things, and then it all just takes I think time. a lot of the best think that, oh, if I go to the VA, I've taken from other veterans. You're not taking from anybody. In fact, by you register at the VA, you're actually helping get more funding to help other veterans as well because it's all driven by numbers. So the more numbers, the more funding. Excellent. Uh, Steffi, I want to pop back to you real quick. Okay. How, how did you hear, you say you heard about Robin's Home from Mary. Are you originally so from Butler was, as well? I'm from Butler. Um, and at the time, I, I'm trying We're to think about spaghetti benefit during COVID. Um, another organization I was a part of helped volunteer with their Robin's Home Spaghetti Dinner. It was like a takeout dinner um, situation. So there was, you know, a handful of us that went and helped volunteer for that event. And that was my first initial you know, awareness and introduction of the organization because it was new. I mean, you opened in 2019. So this would have been in the spring of 2020. Yeah. Right after, you know, a lot of the pandemic. Yeah, the shutdowns were starting. Yeah. So I remember someone saying in our club, hey, there's a new organization. It deals with females and children and veterans. And it, it kind of planted the seed. And then when I went and then Mary and I kind of found each other on Facebook. And then from there, it was a rolling ball. Now look at us. We're a brutal team. <laughs> so what you need. Uh, so so lead me through, Mary, lead me through the sort of the beginning of Robin's Home. Uh, and what gave you the idea? And why, when did you decide this is, this is what I need to set my passions on? Okay. It's a long time ago. All right. So... I was working with female veterans that we didn't have transitional housing for them. So like we would have to find a place to put them temporarily and then we would enroll them into like supportive services for veteran families. Through that funding, they had to sign their own lease with a private landlord. So we would provide um, some security deposit assistance, a um, few months rent, and then they were responsible for that lease. At times, a lot of them weren't ready to take on that responsibility due to like maybe there was some mental health, some drug and alcohol, lack, lack of income, lack of employment. So, but that was the only option because we didn't have transitional housing. We have it for our single male veterans here in our community. We use two different organizations for them. So then, um, I don't know, I was picking up some paperwork at the VA with a friend of mine and I said, we do a housing for women veterans. And it was just like this random thought. And then I talked to a few people in the community and they said, you should definitely do it. And I worked on it for a while. And then Robin passed away. And then my friend, Christy said, you should still work on the housing program and name it after Robin. So that's how the name came about. So I did. So I worked on it again. I met with a couple of nonprofits because I would have a managing partner for the first, you know, start out. So it was um, Southwest Behavioral Health. They were my managing partner for the first year. Then I met with Dennis Baglier, who is a local dealer. He has some dealerships here, but he does a lot of 
philanthropy work. Um, and I found this house that we currently operate in. It was empty for like 20 something years. They wanted to like 49,000 for it. So he said, what can I do to help you? And I said, well, I found this house. So he said, I'll buy it for you. So those are like the two big things that came together. Um, American Legion Post 778, they donated 10,000 to get me started. And then they've donated every year since. Um, so that's how, I don't know, it just all started out. So it took a year and a half to get the first and second floor done. And then our last thing was like HVAC. So I did a podcast with Marty Griffin and um, Ken, Bill Canahan and Patty Canahan were on their way to Pittsburgh to meet a friend or someone in the hospital. And they heard the podcast with Marty about the HVAC. So I met with them and then the Canahan Heating and Plumbing, they donated all the HVAC for the house. And they just donated the HVAC for the garage we finished. They don they uh, donated the plumbing for our third floor. So everything kind of just came full circle at that point. And then we opened our doors on July 1st, 2019. Then we applied for the VA grant per diem. And we did, we, we, we received that. So this is going on the third year of having that grant. And it's just kind of, we've got a lot of other funding in the process from a lot of different places. And so, yeah, it's just kind of, I worked a full-time job while we opened, yep. raised my kid. She's 16 now. Um, I didn't start working over here until we got the grant from the VA because um, I helped cover salaries. And then everybody that donates, their donations go to the women we serve, keep the lights on, the doors open, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did so have some pushback from the neighbors. Then not in my backyard, the stigma that comes with homelessness, things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the city of Butler, we had to go through a special exception hearing. Mm-hmm. So I used this home to operate Robin's home. So we were approved for that. So that was a good opportunity for us as an organization just to bring awareness to women veterans because we're often underrepresented. We're known as the invisible veteran. So mm-hmm. it was a good opportunity to bring awareness to women veterans, also to bring awareness to try to break the stigma was associated with homelessness. Not everybody's, you know, has struggled with substance abuse or mental health. Some people just fell on hard times. Some people don't have family support systems that they can go to and stay with while they get on their feet, things like that. So we overcome a lot of hurdles to get to where we are. Well, I, uh, there I think are several- it's funny qu- how her little, her seed that was planted and she said, I want to do this. And if you come to the home and you see it, it has grown into this massive tree. And that is like the neatest thing from someone looking at her and at this organization and seeing how many people she's touched and how many children she has touched. That's, you know, there was a voice inside of her or something that happened to her that she knew and she knew how to do it. I think it's in a testament to what a community can make happen if we all just come together and work for a cause because it's been a lot of people in the community that has made this dream or idea a reality. Uh, there's a couple couple questions I have based off of the story and it it is fascinating. I do agree with you. Once you can bring everybody together to drive towards a particular goal, this is Robin's home is the type of goal that, you know, that you see sprout up. I, I want to also, that doesn't take away anything, Mary, from sort of your desire to serve um, that, you know, you may have, it seems like you may have enlisted uh, to sort of get some education, 
get out for a bit, but coming back and continuing that service to her community speaks highly of just sort of, you know, who you are as a person. Um, in that same vein, uh, I'm going to get to the other questions. First one I have is uh, Robin, who Robin's home is named after. Um, can you tell us a bit about who she was and, you know, what her service was like? Okay. I met Robin. Oh, man. I don't know how many years now she's been dead. So probably like when I first moved back to Butler, I was just, I was one of the facilitators for a group at the Butler VA. We called Veteran Hope. Um, it's the same concept as Veteran X, but it was geared to like women veterans. So that's where I met Robin at. Um, she was an MST survivor from the Army. She served in Desert Storm. Um, I don't know, we become, she was like a sister to me. She was like a second mom to my daughter. Um, she had a, her tonsils removed. And then shortly after that, due to some complications, she passed away. So. And she was homeless as well? She was. She moved back here from New York. And we got her into supportive services for veteran families, found her, her housing. She applied for her VA disability to be increased. They increased it. Um, and then she was able to get, it was like 100% due to the things that happened to her while she was in the Army. Mm -hmm. so then yeah she ended up running her own town home and things like that and yeah now from your your story earlier what the thing that rang out to me was how many people have donated not only time but materials and space and you know to get this uh this idea and this organization on its feet and running um what has it meant to you both of you uh to see that to see that come out of the community uh people coming in and saying i'll you know, I'll donate the plumbing, I'll donate 10,000, I'll, you know, though there are the invisible veterans involved, they still have a passion for for helping out uh, female veterans. Um, it, well, personally, it meant a lot, like, that people believed in me and had faith in me, so, uh, I mean, looking back, when I came up with the idea, I think that, <sighs> I probably didn't have all the information that I needed at the time, right? There was a lot of things that I learned along the way and I'm mm -hmm. still learning today, right? But um, it meant a lot for someone that doesn't really know me to invest in me, believe in me and trust in me to be able to do this. And not only just me, but the women that we're trying to support. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt like that gave a voice to women um, at least just to bring awareness to women veterans. Not all women are struggling in housing and things like that, but at least start a conversation about the women that serve. Because a lot of times when you think of veteran, you're picturing a man. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we are totally overlooked. I mean, even till this day, we don't get the same respect that our males get. And we, I have a lot of them that we serve, that have come through our doors that deployed. Um, and yet their service is just not the same or they don't get the same respect as males. We just don't. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of times it's really hard for us as an organization to just continue to raise money and bring more awareness because a lot of people can identify with a woman veteran. I think it's really easy to identify with a male veteran just because how they're portrayed in society, how it's portrayed, portrayed on, you know, social network, the media, things like that. Um, so that's been, in my opinion, a barrier for us when we're trying to serve a population a lot of people were not even thinking of prior to us. Um, but yeah. follow up question to what you just said, how, uh, how do you see that portrayal in media, in TV? Um, I think now it's nice to see women portrayed now in certain shows in uniform. So that's been a good addition. Mm 
mm -hmm. you know, but and with Pennsylvania just um declaring June twelfth female veteran awareness day. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. as it grows, I think that'll bring more and shine more light on this specific population. And Stephanie, how does it see, feel to you seeing your community come out in support of this mission? Well, I think it's great. Um, in the area that we live in, I think people are, they want to help, you know, um, they, they want to make a difference because it is a smaller suburb of Pittsburgh. Um, and with the areas that we're addressing in the VA catchment area, having a, a broader, um, just not Butler, we have different counties. Mm -hmm. um, you see different people coming into play. Um, but the thing that I, I guess I step back and look at it since I am not a veteran, and I've mentioned that before, that people want to help women and children. Mm -hmm. um, that's a population, especially children. Um, no children should be homeless. And I think as a parent or what have you, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt and uncle, and you look at it a little differently um, because there's not necessarily an organization that helps with this population. So uh, yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's the more, you know, you step back and look at it, the more you realize that it could be any one of us, females yes. with children. It, it hits home to females. And it can be. I think a lot of people think that, oh, that will never happen to me. But most people are just one paycheck away from homes. So if you lose your job today, where does that put you? A lot of people that they don't have that enough revenue coming in where they can save and plan six months out, things like that. A lot of people are just one paycheck, one paycheck from business. And living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And so I think what's nice too, though, like with us, we just don't give them a bed to sleep in. Like they work, we do intensive case management with them. We want to make sure that while they're here, um, any areas that led to them needing our services, that we get them connected to services at the VA and in our community to help get them stabilized and get that foundation back in place for them. So when they do transition on here, they can sustain housing without re-entering back into homelessness. So even while they're here, they're all it's all required that they do financial literacy class. We partner with the Butler County Housing Authority for their SHOP program. Um, they have to save overseas, prepare budgets every month. They have, they have a history of substance abuse. They have to do work with a certified recovery specialist in the community, do AANA meetings, um, attend all medical appointments while they're here, take medications as prescribed. So um, while they're so here- There are requirements yeah. to be a part of it, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a bit to sort of the root cause of homelessness? Now, we, you said a bit about addiction, mental health. Um, you know, what, for female veterans specifically, is there a root cause for what causes homelessness after military service? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's case by case. Case by case. Yeah. Because yeah. no one that comes in here would have the same background, have the same dynamic. Um, yeah. Dynamics. They wouldn't have the same. I don't know, but it would just be a some of it's just lack of natural supports to help them. But one know. thing that they do have in common is mental health, love them yeah. or you know, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Um and the mental health can stem from the military sexual yes. trauma. PTSD, we see a lot yes. of that coming through. And some of the if there is some substance abuse, a lot of times 
to cope with the mental health symptoms that they weren't addressing because of trauma. Um, it's amazing to me that these areas are even occurring as they are being, um, you know, they're, they're leaving the military. These are things that you would think a lot of times they would address just like Mary, not knowing that she's a veteran. Yeah. I don't even know if a lot of this is happening while they're in the military. Some of it does. Some of the people we've worked with, yes, it started in the military, right? Some of the symptoms, maybe they're not experienced until after they leave the military too, you know, then it starts coming because of the military. So it's hard to say. Everybody's situation is different. And it's like to sit there and say there's one reason why this is happening. Just depends on the person and their circumstances and yeah so in that same on the other side of that is the recovery and they and robin's right. home is not just a, a home that they could come stay in there are programs in place to get them this is a transition you want to get them from homelessness to supporting themselves and their family correct yes can you speak a bit more to the programs that are in place to, to help them okay uh there's a lot so it'll all depend on each person that comes through here. So we work with them. They develop their goals that they want to work on while they're here. And then we say this is how we support you in those goals, right? Mm -hmm. But while they're here, we want to make sure that any debt that they have, they're working on paying that down um, because we understand that that could be a barrier to accessing housing when you leave here. Um, financial literacy is a really big part of it because if you can't manage your money, how do you sustain your housing? Um, just making sure that if it's mental health, that we already get them into some type of mental health care in the community to work on that stuff. Same with their substance abuse. While they're here, we try to just get them to start some type of savings so they can have some money saved. So when they do move out, because then you have to pay for security deposits for utilities, things like that. When they do transition out, if they are eligible, we get them assessed for the HUD-VASH voucher. Um, it's a partnership with Department of Veteran Affairs and the Housing Authority, and it's like a Section 8 voucher for veterans, but they get a um, caseworker through the VA that will work with them. So if they are able to secure that, that's 30% of their income that would be there, and the Housing Authority covers the other, or Section 8. We work with a lot of elderly people, too, that yeah. come through here. So we have senior high-rises here in Butler. So we do applications for that. So these are things that probably after the first 30 days we start working on because it could take many months before they're approved for the subsidized housing, mm -hmm. um, which is nice that we can be here up to two years mm -hmm. because that gives them ample time to work on other things while they're waiting to secure subsidized housing. A lot of other transitional housing programs are 90 days. 90 days isn't really that much time, you know, to get them in a good place in the recovery from mental health, substance abuse, whatever the case may be, or helping them secure employment while they're here. So vocational rehabilitation at the VA, we work closely with them. Maybe they are eligible for compensated work therapy or at least supportive employment through there. Um, what else do we do? We use CareerLink a lot here in the community. Recreation. Yeah. We do a lot of social activities here. That's just something that we build into our program. We had a lot of veterans that come through our doors that have a history of suicide attempts or suicide ideation. We know that on average, 
I know the numbers are changing, but I think we're still staying with 22 vets are committed suicide a day. So we do a lot of social stuff here and it is at their choice. So like they get to pick the social activity that they want to do as a group and we pay that and we take them to do it because we want them to feel like they're members of their community, but also build a support system within each other. So that's been pretty good. Come in. Yeah, what size do you need? Uh, double A, triple A. Hello. How are you? Good. I haven't met her. Hi, what's your name? Leland, I'm Steffi. And the little girl next to the door to me, I'm on. I didn't meet her now. She's a board president. Oh. Yeah. She wants to be the world president. Hey, what are you doing? Yes, there you go. Oh, God. Can I have a hug too? I want a hug too. What's your name? Mia. Mia, how old are you? You five? Yes. Yes, what? Five daughters. And I have a son. I'll bring them down, okay? They can play with you. Okay. Oh, she's going to love that. She's going to love that. She played with them. It was nice meeting you. I'll bring the kids down to see you, okay? Okay. See ya. Nice meeting you. See the reason why I joined? It completely. Yeah. It just hit you. It's a parent. It hits you. I am, and it does. Yeah. It's just like looking at her like my daughter's three and a half, but it's like she just. Yep. That joy, that joy of yep. like, I have friends. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have anything before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it gives you chills. At the current, at, at Robin's home currently, how many, how many families can live in, in this house? How many families are currently there? Okay. So we have a six bedroom house. So if we have six single women, we serve six, right? Mm -hmm. um, right now we have a woman with three children. So our third floor um, is designated just to her and her kids. Two of the older kids are in the one room and her and the daughter is in a separate room. And then on our second floor is the four bedrooms. So those are fully, those are, we're fully, fully we can't accept fully. any more referrals right, right mm -hmm. now. Um, I would say our utilization is around 97%. Um, so typically when people discharge or they transition out from housing, we, we study get referrals. One of our ladies that's currently here, she waited three months to come in. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think on average, our stay is 142 days. Um, it just varies case by case. Mm -hmm. um, so how many we can serve depends on what the household size is. Mm -hmm. So if it's all single women, then we serve six. If there's kids involved, it depends if we have to give up a bedroom for the children. So right now we gave up a bedroom for the old because they're teenagers. So, right. yeah, and, we have uh, desperate need of funding. We need money so we can expand our housing program so we don't have to make turn away any other referrals. We just turned away another referral last week. And if somebody comes in and has to be turned away, where where can they go? <clears throat> A lot of times I have them call 211. I direct them to the homeless team at the VA. 
and to PA serves. Mm-hmm. You probably know PA serves. Yeah, yeah, definitely through VBC we yeah. know. A so lot about definitely, PA. and then um, I reach out to our homeless team and let them know um, if I'm unable to serve them. And then I always tell them if none of those work out, to please call me back because mm-hmm. I just don't. I want to make sure they don't fall through the cracks. Right. So um, that's what we do here. Can you tell me, like physically, you said six bedrooms, but what is the house layout? You know, it it so seems a, like a fairly large facility. It's a large house. It has four floors. So in the basement is my office, two washers, two dryers, and that serves the women on the second floor. We have refrigerators, things like that. Um, we just converted our garage to three private office spaces that our residents can use. Um, when they're meeting with providers from the community. So they have somewhere private where they can just use them for their own privacy. And then they do share the common areas on the main level, which is like the kitchen, dining, living room, a service coordinator's office is on the main level. Smoking porch. And we have deck off of there too, outdoor space. And then the second floor is the four bedrooms, another bath. And then the third floor is two large, two more bedrooms, another bath and washer and dryer for the third floor. Is there like a communal eating place where the the women who yeah, are staying the with their families, room. yeah, and they're yeah, able the to sort of help build a network of support there? Yeah. So like over the weekend, one of our residents, she gets her children on Sundays and she just had a big birthday party here for her daughter. Mm-hmm. So we do um, activities here, like for the holidays, like she was talking about Easter. We do a big Easter celebration every year where they can invite their friends and their families because it's important for us for them friends and family to like rebuild that support system and also just to kind of see where they're at now and where they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So that when they transition out, they have that natural support in place when they leave here. We do stuff for the holidays. Um, We celebrate their accomplishments. So if they like one finished intensive outpatient organ alcohol treatment, so we got a cake and congratulations. Like for their birthdays, we get cakes. Like so, we do things that to celebrate their accomplishments while they're here. Usually, it's in the form of a cake mm-hmm. from Penny's Bake Shop. That's one of their favorite places. So, or we take them out to dinner to celebrate it. Yeah, um, or lunch to celebrate it, or whatever they choose. So, how difficult is it for these women to ask for help? Do you find I it? Think it's, that- it's ex- Oh my gosh. I think, I think it's just difficult for veterans in general to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I remember back, like when I went through basic, right. They like, it's all about, you don't want to look weak. Right. Yeah. So like, you don't go to sit call because then you're weak or this or that, like you're supposed to adapt and overcome. You're supposed to find solutions, but at the same time, they teach you, you have to have a battle buddy, but you can't look weak. So then when you finally get the courage to sit there and say, I need help, and hopefully the person that agency that you're going to if they can't help you they're getting connected with another agency that can help you um but I know that doesn't happen I remember my ex and I moved back here after he got off of active duty we had money saved but we couldn't find jobs nobody wanted to rent to us so it was me him our daughter and my mom and brother we all had to rent a house together right mm-hmm. and we're struggling to find employment and then because a lot of times you're what you did in the military doesn't translate into the civilian world. So you're trying to find employment. And then like, we were really like, had no money left. And we went to the assistance office here in Butler to get food stamps. And we had a rental property in El Paso. We're stationed at Fort Bliss. Well, that rent covers the mortgage. And they said, because of that, we can't help you. 
And the lady sat there and just said, it is what it is. And I'm like, wow, you're just like telling two people that serve that we just want a helping hand to get us through like these really like hard times. It is what it is. At no point did that lady ever say, hey, you should go to the VA. Hey, you should go up to Center for Community Resources. Hey, you should go here. At no point has she ever sent us anywhere else. So for us, we're like, well, I guess there's any help. And I think this happens to a lot of veterans. Mm -hmm. The disconnection. Yeah, and just a warm handle. You know, like maybe you yeah. can't help them, but guide them to another person. You know, especially we didn't know to go to the VA that they have vocational rehabilitation that works for veterans to gain employment. We didn't know any of those things. You know, this is like 10 years ago. So um, I think that is like a big thing. Even though someone is reaching out for help, but maybe it isn't you that can help them to find another place to send them to get that help. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that would have changed a lot of things for us at that time. Your website is robinshome.us. Is this Correct. the best place for people to connect with you to find out about you? Yes. And Facebook. And Facebook. And Facebook. At Robin's Home. We'll have, those, we'll have those links in the description here for anybody listening or watching on YouTube. Just check out the description and you can check that out. Yeah. And then um, Veterans Day last year, we, so we were over the years, I got a lot of calls from the community wanting to donate furniture, household items, stuff like that. Well, Robin's Home is fully let's start multiple stock right Loaded. like we're just everything's there so um we kept getting these phone calls so we started a robin's home thrift store here in butler so now we accept donations we pick up donations in the butler area we sell those at our thrift store here in butler to help generate revenue to support our programs here so that's been a really nice addition, not only to the community, but as a revenue source, but also for residents that are coming in that maybe haven't had employment in a while. Mm -hmm. um, it gives them the opportunity to work there while we were able to- Supervise. We're able to do the work schedule so it doesn't conflict with their appointments, right? Because yeah. their goals that they're working on. Um, and they can earn some money while they're doing this and just get relevant work experience to build a resume and stuff like that and be able to still maintain appointments, things like that, and learn how to balance employment with taking care of your other stuff that you need to take care of. Right. So that's been a nice addition as a resource to provide to people that come through our doors. And on the website, they can find out the events that you have going on and there's a way to, I'm sure, donate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that always in need of funding being, you know, I believe a nonprofit. So how, what's the best way that somebody can donate? How can they find that link is there a way to do it online yeah they go on our website there's a tab that says donate and they okay. can either do it through paypal or they can mail a check-in and our mm -hmm. address is listed yeah and then we got venmo and some other ways they can also do it as well mm -hmm. oh that's listed on our website and every little bit helps right every little bit helps. and then we have some um upcoming events that's too. listed yeah so attending events being sponsors mm -hmm. Donating raffle items, donating even, silent auctions. Even if they like and share our Facebook page, that even helps. Yeah. You know, maybe they can make a monetary donation, but they can like and share our Facebook page if they're on Facebook or just, you know, just telling their friends and family about the program, you know. So there's other ways to support us that doesn't require like a monetary donation. So the women that may find Robin's home, do they have to be living in Butler uh, to take part in your services? Is this only for the communities that are surrounding you? What if someone's in Texas and finds out about Robin's home? 
is there a way for them to to take part? Okay. So we do serve the five counties on the Butler VA catchment area, right? Mm-hmm. And we picked up Allegheny County and Erie. So we got Armstrong, Lawrence, Butler, Clarion, Mercer, Allegheny, and Erie County. Mm-hmm. Those are our catchment. However, um, if we have a bed available, we've had served people from the eastern side of our state because there's not a lot of housing programs specifically designed for women veterans. Sometimes they're co-ed. So if we do have room available, um, then yes, we will accept those other referrals. We look at it as when you join the military, you know, they can send you wherever the, the needs of the military, right? That's how they decide. If the needs of the military, that's where you go. So provide enough service to those that have served. I don't believe that it should be dictated by a county that you live in, especially when a lot of areas don't have this program available. So yes, we have accepted referrals from other parts of the state um, that when we had beds of it. Does that answer your question, Sean? It does. It does. Yes. Uh, Because I want to know, you know, somebody listening may not be homeless or, but they might know somebody who knows somebody. Uh, So, you know, so yeah, they should connect. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, Mary, this is a, a really amazing, amazing organization. Uh, for what you're doing, like you said, not many, if any, anybody else is doing this in the yeah. country. Yeah, it. Well, I don't know in the country, but in the state, the Certainly way the state. specifically set up um, in the state of Pennsylvania, there. I think there's like some places um, out in the Philadelphia area, but that's pretty much it. And I maybe like two. And, and they would be different it. set up than yeah. what we are, right? So, right. The fact that the women and children can come because there's a lot that don't accept the children. That's the, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot that don't allow the children. And that's tough because most women are caregivers. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're about how do we reduce the barriers to accessing the program? So it's pretty easy. So first things first, we just need to prove that they were a veteran, right? Um, doesn't have to be active duty. It can be National Guard, it can be reserves. We just need to prove that they served. Yeah. Um, the criteria to access our program is not the same criteria you have to meet to get healthcare through the VA. Mm-hmm. So um, the VA grant per diem, their criteria is a lot less than what it is to get healthcare. Mm-hmm. And then second, we just need to verify that there is a housing crisis. And a lot of our referrals come through the VA. Um, so that's already been identified that there's a housing crisis because a lot of the referrals do come through the VA and the ones that do self-referral, we're able to verify that just through conversations and things like that. Um, so those are the two things. We just need to verify they're a veteran and that there's a housing crisis to access the program. So we usually can do it. We usually can admit someone the same day or at least within 24 hours mm-hmm. into the program. Can you, uh, my last question is, can you lead me through a recent success story? Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Our service coordinator. Yeah. We'll go as our service coordinator. So Cheryl. Miss Cheryl. She came in our program, I think about, about two years ago. When she came in, she was eight months pregnant, fleeing domestic violence. She had no income. We hired her on to, at this point, we didn't even have our thrift store. So we used to use our garage for donations, like clothing, things like that. So we hired her and paid her weekly to do stuff around the house. So we had income. She had two other children that she did not have custody of at that time. So while she was here, we worked with an attorney in our community who uh, does legal work for her to reduce costs. 
um, which is huge because that's another thing. We have a lot of women that come in here that have child um, custody battles right now with their fathers, right? And um, a lot of the attorneys don't want to, there's not a lot of options. Criminal criminal stuff, you know, there's just some legal issues, right? So we try, I met with several attorneys in our area to get them to at least work with our women at a reduced fee. Mm -hmm. Um, One attorney's doing that right now, did that with Cheryl. So while Cheryl was here, she had her baby. She got custody of both of her, her other two children. She transitioned out with her voucher and got her own house for her, her kids. Then we opened up our thrift store. So then we made her the store manager there. So she was doing that for a while. And then we needed a service coordinator here. But before Cheryl came over here, it was only me. I was the only employee. So March 1st, Cheryl moved from the thrift store as a store manager to the housing program as a service coordinator. Mm-hmm. She served in the Army Reserves. Wow. So she was the one that came in earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I would say she's our success story. Yeah. It's wonderful. She has, you know, the kids, and she yeah. has her own house and mm-hmm. a dog and yeah, a little fenced-in yard. Yeah. She's made it. Oh, it's a huge, huge step. And it's a difficult step, but I'm sure she's so happy she took it. I think the key is this. Give them purpose. So when yes. you leave mm-hmm. the military, you lose your purpose. And I think we struggle just to like find our purpose again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of our other residents, Karen, she's been here a little over a year now. She she's a We paid to get her to become a certified peer specialist. So now she's a certified peer specialist. Our thrift store manager, Jill, she's an Army vet. Her, we sent her, she's a certified peer specialist. I went, I'm a certified peer specialist because now we want to start a certified peer specialist program. We can work with the veterans in our community. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really like nice to see where they come in. Like you just meet them where they're at when they come in and then you just work to get them to where they want to be. So um, yeah. their transformation. So purpose is huge. Yeah. Like, so even like a lot of th- times they'll do stuff around here you know just to help out and stuff we'll pay them for but it gives them a sense of purpose again because they're involved in something bigger than themselves the journey just is me looking at it when I come in to see people and you know you meet the residents for the first time but when you see them you know six months later whatever it's it's just an amazing transformation and it's um you can see that they are becoming satisfied with who they are mm-hmm and a lot of the ladies have said this when I meet with them, like a lot of times if they're, they've already been stigmatized, like labeled, right? Because of their addiction or this or that. And a lot of times that uh, people have lost faith in them that they can change, you know? So me, I think that anybody can change. I think if you, why be in this line of work if you don't believe that people can change? I think it comes down just giving them the tools to be able to make that change, give them the support, encourage them. And um, not let their past define their future, right? Yeah. So a lot of them would tell me that you're the only one that's ever saw me as me as a person and not the things I've done or things I'm struggling with or things like that. Because I think we all struggle with whatever it is. We all have a, we all struggle. So I think it's just, yeah. And it's amazing to see whenever you believe in someone and they have someone believe in them how that can transform someone completely and change their life. It's a, a not, it, they're, they're not being judged here. They're not being judged on their performance. Like they were when they were in the military, 
they had to be the best, best, best. And mm -hmm. a lot of times you can't be. And like Mary said, she meets them where they are. Right. And a lot of times that's their level. Yes. Yeah. Just meet them I, where they're at. I can think of no better message to end on here, especially for anybody who is finding this podcast or finding Robin's home and wants to know more. Um, this has been a, an incredible conversation. I'm, I'm so proud that this is in Western PA and that you're serving this incredible mission. Um, I thank you both so much for coming on the scuttlebutt. Uh, thank to, you for having us. This oh, is amazing. Definitely. And to our listeners, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. So you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes, check out robinshome.us, uh, help out their cause, donate. If you know someone in need, please, uh, get in touch with them. Um, what is the best way to reach you? Oh, number 724-453-4644. Mary Chitwood. <laughs> Thank you both for coming on the Scuttlebutt. I'd love to have you both join me, you know, in a year and find out, you know, where, where, Scuttle, yeah. where, yes. where, Robin's, yeah. you know, where Robin's home has gone. Um, excited to chat with you further throughout the Veterans Breakfast Club. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Sean, See ya. you're awesome. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Uh, Tobacco Free Adagio Health has been supporting the podcast for quite some time now. We've been so pleased to be uh, supported by them. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health, so they want people to quit. Uh, they have classes, nicotine replacement therapy, and a popular quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. And finally, Tobacco Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all about what Tobacco Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org. Or you can check out the two Scuttlebutt episodes that featured Tobacco Free Adagio Health. We had a wonderful representative come on to the podcast, talk to us about all the classes and therapies that they offer. Uh, it was one, two wonderful conversations. So I definitely direct you to both of those if you want more information or just call their free quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Thank you again, Tobacco Free Adagio Health for your support.